Well, today, as we said, we are going to be talking about our responsibility, our purpose in caring for the least of these. This is depicted in Matthew 25. I've got a couple questions for you. When you meet Jesus face to face, what do you think he's going to ask? When you meet Jesus face to face, that's going to happen for every single one of us. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, everybody's going to have to give an account for their life. They're going to meet Jesus face to face. And what do you think he's going to be asking? Do you think he's going to ask you how many times you went to church? Do you think he's going to ask you how many times you read your Bible? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But what is he going to ask? And I think we need to answer that question to know how we live our life. Is that not true? That if we could figure out what he's going to ask us, that maybe, you know, there's Stephen Covey had this great principle, begin with the end in mind. Seven habits of highly effective people. Begin with the end in mind. So we're doing that today. Let's live our life like we're going to live meeting Jesus face to face, which will happen. Whether he returns while we're still alive, he could return tomorrow, he could return next year, um, or he could return another generation. But the reality is, we will have an opportunity to meet Jesus face to face. And he's going to ask us some questions, I believe. The interesting thing in Matthew chapter 25, by the way, if you have your Bibles, there's three verses that you want to just kind of write those down. You're going to see it on the screen. Write down these three verses, because we won't always put them back up there. Make notes in your phone or what have you, and then look them up. Matthew 25, 31 through 40, James 1, 27, and I believe 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. I'll stay up there for a few minutes, so you make sure you get those down. So Jesus is going to ask us some questions. I believe. And the reason I know that is because he's, he's kind of red-lettered some things for us. red letter in a Bible means that he's Jesus is speaking. And if you turn to Matthew 25, I really like these sections of Jesus' words. It starts with a parable of the ten virgins. It's talking, the ten virgins parable really is the one about um, being prepared and ready for Jesus' return. Uh, I would encourage you, we're not going to go there today, but read this. Then he goes to the parable of the talents, which is interesting, because he's talking about being aware of his return, but then he's going to say, you're going to be held in account to the gifts that he's given you. This is the parable of the talents. And he's going to probably ask you some things about how did you live your life based on what God has given you. So he's probably going to ask you something about that. Then he's going to go on to, so then we see this final judgment, final judgment. So let me give you some context here first on the final judgment. Final judgment is going to take place after the tribulation when Jesus establishes his throne here on earth and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Jesus is coming back. He's going to set up a kingdom physically and he will reign for a thousand years. That's called the millennial reign. Somebody likes that. I like Jesus leading our world. Who would not like Jesus leading the world? I think he would do a very good job because he is God. 
And many people think they do a good job, but they're not God. And I think that's why the Bible says we have to keep praying for those who are in leadership. We got to be praying that those people would align their hearts to what God, God's heart is. So he reigns for a thousand years, but this is what he's going to say. Because after the thousand year reign, then he's going to start separating nations. Okay, let's just go start digging into this. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will then sit at, on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. So this is not after his millennial Before his millennial reign. Gathering all the nations... And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So you got this picture. Jesus, this after tribulation, sitting on his throne, gathers the nations together. And then he's going to be separating sheep from goats. And he will place the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his left. Then the king, King Jesus, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Okay, so who is he saying that to? He's saying that to the sheep. What are they inheriting? They're inheriting the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom. He's, he's giving that to them. Now, there's some qualities of some sheep here, though. This is, what, this is the important part. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. This is Jesus' words. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me as I'm looking at our chaplain for um, our state prison, Pastor Bill Pelletier, we honor you today for serving our inmates. Thank you so much. Then the righteous will answer him saying, so Jesus asked a question, now they're giving an answer. When, uh, so the, when the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and, you visit, and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it for the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. As you did it for the marginalized, as you did it for the hungry, the weak, the unseen, the people that are on the other side of the tracks, the people in developing countries, the people in, as much as you did it for the least of these, those in prison, you did it for me, Jesus says. So there, there comes a point, so then he goes on to say, to the goats, and then to the left, he says, depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire, separated for the devil, or prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. 
naked and you did not clothe me sick in, and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, stranger, drink, so on and so forth? Then he answered them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do for the least of these, you did not do to me. So when I say, if we care to be with Jesus, we need to care about serving the least. Jesus says that the way that we care for the least is actually the very things that we're doing to Jesus. So my, my, again, my question is, when we meet Jesus face to face, what are the things he's going to ask us? He's probably going to ask you something about how did we care for the marginalized? He's going to say, how do we care for the least of these? I believe that. So the question then becomes the separation between the sheep and the goats. And by the way, that's for eternity. I have another question for you. How are you doing? Are you going to be a goat or are you going to be a sheep? That's a pretty sobering thought. And I think that's why, like a couple years ago, God stirred in my heart this idea that we're, we're going to be helping all of us get ready to meet Jesus face to face. Because that is the, that sets some things for all eternity. And I believe that he's calling us to, to a higher level, a new level of just realizing that as Christians, it's just not about being good people, following the rules of the land, going to church, reading your Bible. Now, going to church, we need a community. We need each other to come together to worship and to encourage each other and to serve one another. Phenomenal. We do need to understand the word of God because that's what's life to us, right? It's a light unto our path. We need to be reading our Bible. I am not discounting or discrediting those things, but I do believe he's calling us to a different place, a higher place to say, if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, then we need to care about the things that Jesus cares about. And he cares about the least of these. Well, we turn over to James chapter 1. Um, James chapter 1. It's interesting in James 2, it's, he, he talks about um, our faith, but then he goes on to say, you know, faith without works is dead. And I think there's something to be uh, learned from that. I think there is realizing that we say we believe, but if our actions don't line up with our belief, is, is our belief really true? And I think that's where we have to come to saying, are we sheep or goats? Because I think a lot of us say we can believe, but do our actions truly line up to the things that Jesus cares about? But here, here's James chapter 1, verse 27. It says this, what religion is. It's if anyone thinks, uh, verse 26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So here's starting to talk about what comes out of your mouth. Then he goes to, on to say in verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself abstain, uh, unstained from the world. A couple of things that he lists there, bridling your tongue, like you, you kind of keep a, watch the words that you're saying, one. Number two, 
um, that he's talking about caring for the least of these, which is the orphans, the widows, in their infliction. Now, he's not saying if a widow is not in affliction, he's not saying that, but it's like be aware of the needs of people around you. Be aware of people around you. Pay attention. And then he says, keep oneself unstained from the world. Unstained from the world. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I think we can go there by looking at uh, 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. You, you want to know how to keep yourself unstained by the world. Uh, Timothy, who is Paul's protege. Um, so this is Paul's letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, says this. It's interesting. It's titled in my Bible, Godliness in the Last Days. Boy, I, I feel like we're in the last days. I, I, my spirit feels like we're in the last days. I'm sure other generations have felt the same thing, but, but maybe that sense of urgency that God is keeping us alert and aware by the way, you can't go wrong thinking that Jesus is coming back tomorrow, right? You can't go wrong with that because it keeps you attentive to the fact that your soul is at stake. If you're ready to meet Jesus face to face at any given time, chances are you're living in a close relationship with God. Chances are you're listening to the Holy Spirit and you're responding to him. But this is what it says, 2 Timothy. But understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. There'll be masks, there'll be vaccines. Oh, sorry, I didn't say that. Okay. Did I just open up Pandora's box right there? Okay, for people will be lovers of self. Okay, Here, here's a chance. Start looking at this list and do a mental exercise with yourself. Don't be thinking about somebody else. It's easy to say, I'm not as bad as them. It really is. I, I was saying this list and immediately it's like, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so in my mind. But then I stopped and actually said, okay, but what about me? How do I line up to this? And then I realized, ooh. See, we, we, we get ourselves off the hook by saying we're not as bad as them. But guess what? You're going to be going face-to-face -to, -face to Jesus. It's, it's not them. It's going to be you who will meet Jesus face-to-face. -face. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, young people, young people, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Then it says, avoid such people. My question is, like, how do I avoid myself? <laughs> because I still see part of myself in that list. 
See, it's easy to say, avoid such people, and then we go like, yeah, you're right. I just need to not keep company with that person. Meanwhile, we see so much of ourselves in this list. And yet it says, this is what it will be like at the end times. We'll be more concerned about ourselves than about other people. I think when, why it says lovers of yourselves as the first one in that list is I think we get so self-absorbed about our own lives that we stop to be aware of the needs of people around us. Do you know the needs in your community? Do you know the needs of your neighbors? Do you know the needs of, do you know some widows? Have you cared for some widows? Do you, when's the last time, well, COVID is kind of hard to be in prison, right? But when's the last time you visited somebody in prison? When's the last time you saw a need and you met that need? See, it takes some intentionality. It takes you loving yourself less to become selfless. But yet, here in scripture, the ancient scripture tells us what it's going to look like in the end days, in the end times. So when it comes to understanding our purpose, it's, it's first and foremost, okay, so just make sure everybody hears me really clear on this one. Do I want you to go out and start serving a bunch of um, needy people? Of course I do. However, that's not the solution. The solution is for you to get closer to Jesus, to closer to the Father in heaven, and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you because that is where you're going to be held accountable is when the Spirit of God says do something. When the Holy Spirit, Pastor Rich gave me an amen. Is he the only one in the house? When the Holy Spirit says to do something, that we then need to act in obedience to what the Spirit of God is saying. But as long as we are selfish, self-centered, we are not going to hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Because we're going to be thinking about myself, my pleasure, my things, my life, what I'm going to go through, what I need to wear, how do I look, and how, what's my social media account doing, what, what's going on? And yet, God is saying, wait, 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 wait. There's going to be a day that you're going to meet me face to face and I'm going to ask you some questions. And those questions are going to be, how well did you hear me speak to you to say, go care for that person who needs help. Go care for that widow, that orphan, that person who is in distress. And I'm calling you, Bobby, Jane, Sue, John, Bill, to meet that need. In the power of Jesus Christ. So that's why the be, do is so important. That be comes before do. Because, because remember, there's a scripture that says, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? We, and give gives a big list. We cast out demons. We did this. We did that in your name. In other words, they were religious. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Depart from me. Separation of the sheep and the goats. I, I was, can I be honest with you? That, hopefully I'm always honest with you, but <laughs> I'm making a point here. I, I've been sobered. I've been like sobered up a little bit by reading this to realize that, oh, 
I don't know how well I would answer that. I, I don't know with confidence whether I would be a sheep or a goat. Now, I know in confidence where my soul lies with Jesus Christ, that I've made a decision to follow him and I want to faithfully follow him. I know that I can hear the still small voice, but I, I know how selfish I still am. And I know sometimes it's easy to just push that thought away because it's inconvenient. And yet I, I want to be the sheep. And you know why he uses that analogy, this analogy of the sheep and shepherd is because Jesus is our good shepherd. He leads us into green pastures. He restores our soul. He restores our soul. But I think in the moment that we are living in, the time and the season that we're living in, he is calling us online. I'm talking to you as well. He is calling us to listen to the still small voice and listen to what the Father is saying. Jesus says, I only do what I hear the Father in heaven doing. Jesus modeled that for us, the Son of God. I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. Be, do. We've got to first be, be in a relationship with the Father. Cultivate that relationship with Jesus. Whatever it takes, church, whatever it takes, cultivate that relationship with Jesus. And then train your ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and then respond to that. Be aware of the needs around you. That's the other part. Be aware of the needs around you. Places of hurting, places of distress. You don't have to wait until you see somebody with rags on or hungry, right? He's, the, the point is he's saying those people who are in distress, the people will walk by them. And I would say those people are in your workplaces. Those people are in your schools. Those people are in your communities. You do not have to think until you see, you know, a little child in some foreign country with tears and flies in their eyes to, to build compassion and say, I got to do something, right? It's, they're here. They're in your schools. That kid who is so feeling like he can't go on, like his life doesn't mean anything. And he's thinking about taking his life. That is the least of these. That coworker that, is, that feels so distant from God that in the middle of distress, of a parent going through some difficulty, you come alongside and you bring Jesus in obedience to that situation. And yes, there are homeless in our community. Yes, there are prisons in our community. Yes, there are places that God is calling us to meet those needs. Church, I believe in you that we are going to raise to the occasion and we're all going to be sheep. When we meet Jesus face to face, I am going to be there with you. And I'm going to celebrate with you. It's like, we're sheep. <laughs> Sorry, goats. We wouldn't do that, though, because we don't gloat in heaven, right? We, we wouldn't be gloating over our sheepness when there's others who are goats. Because God's heart is actually burdened by even the goats. 
his heart. His desire is that none should perish. Don't start getting yourself all arrogant as you start doing some good things, church. Keep humble before Jesus. Do it privately. Do it so nobody sees. Do it just in response because of your love for Jesus. Your passion for Jesus. But I believe that you will be the sheep. But we also know what that means. It means we have to think of ourselves a whole lot less. We have to become less selfish. We have to get our ears trained to hear the voice of the Spirit. And we should care less about this world. Don't be so distracted by this world. You start getting distracted, start reading 2 Timothy again. It'll wake you up. Read Matthew 25. Read James. Pure religion is this, caring for the widows and the orphans. We're getting ready to meet Jesus face to face. We do that by reaching the lost, caring for the least, and training the found. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.